Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Blue Collar BS. Brad, happy to have you back on the show today. Happy to have me back, he says. Yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know I was on probation. You were on probation. And you know what? We're just glad to we're just glad to be back today. So today's guest, amazing person, had the pleasure of working with her, has extensive experience in quality and manufacturing uh, across all platforms of vehicles, heavy vehicles, light vehicles. Today's guest, Christine Wright. Welcome, Christine. Thanks for having me, Brad and Steve. Appreciate the opportunity to, to join the podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. You will be our inaugural female guest. You will always be carrying that moniker. <laughs> no offense, but not a moniker I appreciate. I, I, <laughs> this is going to be I've an awesome show. The, I have spent way too much time as the only woman in the room. Again, I've been in manufacturing for um, more years than I care to say. And I'm just part of the team. doesn't matter the fact that I'm a woman. doesn't matter the fact that I'm blonde, because Lord knows I heard enough of those jokes. Um, I'm just part of the team. So I'm just, I'm just one of your interviewees. All right. We'll go with that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that as well. Some, some aren't of the same value set as you are. That's for sure. In today's world. It's a boomer thing. Oh, oh, that so, was going to be our oh, first question. So, so there you go. Awesome. So, just helping you out. So we were talking before the show, uh, just chatting up and, uh, Christina said she was a Gen Z, so we went through the went through the list and asked for her TikTok handle, <laughs> which was pretty funny actually. So, um, so obviously we so we've got our first question out of the way. <laughs> we've got our first question out of the way. So, Christine, how did you get started in manufacturing? Well, I grew up in a Ford household. Dad worked for Ford. It was actually one of the first words we learned to spell when we were kids. All our cars were always Ford, so it was just always assumed that we were going into automotive. Actually ended up going into Tier 1 suppliers. Actually really enjoyed working with the Tier 1 suppliers and in manufacturing. I actually liked the plant experience. That's awesome. So you were younger then. You were female then. Uh, highly male-dominated. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't don't want to ask those questions, but um, you... Uh, you had a lot of different opportunities there and it was still probably a predominantly male driven industry back then. And, and you had the hierarchies of, you know, the silent generation in front of you. How was your experience coming up through that industry as 
you know, a younger, younger individual. It was interesting because I find today it being very strange at work as there are so many more women in the field and in manufacturing. When I was the only woman in the group, as we had discussed um, just moments ago about the blonde joke, you had to learn to give as good as you got because you were going to get harassed. They were going to make comments. They were going to try to leave you out. There were so many things that you either had to suck it up or you need to find another job, work in another industry. And as a kid, I was a tomboy. I mean, in school, I was the only girl in the trombone section in elementary school, uh, played football. So it wasn't a big thing for me to all of a sudden be in a male-dominated area because I had always had guys as friends growing up and used to being the only girl. Okay. So you mentioned you got a lot more female um, counterparts in the industry today. How, how have you mm-hmm. seen the impact to that uh, positively to the rest of the workforce? I see it as really positive, actually, because they're starting to, there's been a change. There are more ideas. They're pushing for more, in, you know, I hate to use this word because it's like overused, more inclusiveness. They're actually starting to listen. Um, however, I've had to pull some of my counterpart, my younger counterparts back because for some reason they think that things are so horrible for women today in the workplace and in manufacturing and that they need more attention. And I've actually had to say, you know, let's just take a break. I've been, I worked with Steve for a little bit. We actually created a mentoring program for the women in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to go to our vice president and get his approval. And I said, we got to come up with a reason as to why we need a mentoring program specifically for women. And their response was because men already have all the mentoring they need. And I I had to let them vent for a minute. And then I said, really, (laughs) every guy here has a mentor. And I started to list off, do the nerdy guys have mentors or are they sitting in their cubes all by themselves? And I started to list, do the older guys have mentors that, you know, for moving up? And, and I started to list actually names of people and they stopped and went, yeah, no, they don't have mentors. And I said, then that's not a good enough argument. So what right. is the argument for why we need a, a mentoring program just for women in manufacturing? And uh, it really kind of took them back. Now, they are much younger than I am. Looking at the age groups, they are uh, definitely fall into the millennial category. Mm-hmm. Uh, right where Steve fits. Oh, don't even. <laughs> I'm looking at the ages. I think Steve is probably a Gen Xer. Yeah. Just barely. Just barely. <laughs> oh, just barely. Ow. He doesn't behave like an Xer in any way, shape, or form. Let's be honest. Okay. Steve doesn't behave. That is true. Yes. We are we are all in alignment. Wow. Three for three. So we see things differently. We come into it. I don't care what group you're in. Everybody's got a bias. Mm-hmm. You know, the one profound thing I learned from college, which was, you know, eons ago with stone tablets, is that everybody sees sees fair from their own perspective. Right. And right. we actually need to stop, step back. And that's what you need to do as a leader. You need to stop and step back and look, actually, is how is this impacting everyone? Not just how it impacts you, not just from your point of view. How do other people see it? Fair and equal are different. So, yes. Very different. Very. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a millennial thing. 
I think that runs through people. I'm not, I wouldn't even say that's a generational thing. That's just people. Right. And it's something that we need to learn. Some do, some don't. Agreed. It's one of those uh, very human characteristics things. We, we worry about ourselves. At some point, all of those generalizations get categorized into a bucket. The bucket that we're trying to discuss is that generational bucket. And Millennial leaders behave differently than Gen X leaders who behave differently than boomer Mm -hmm. leaders who behave differently than Gen Z leaders. Yes, they do. Which kind of rolls into today's topic a little bit that we want to get to. And I'll Steve and and Kristen, why don't you just go through the exchange that created this opportunity today for us? Yeah. So we were dialoguing back and forth um, through text messaging, online stuff, where we're really into a unique area where now millennials and Gen Xs. Um, more so now millennials are starting to take leadership roles. And as they're taking those leadership roles, they have to hire people. And Christine and I have been talking about how in certain avenues, certain aspects, certain divisions of companies, millennials are afraid to hire or will not even interview older Gen Xs and boomers. And so we wanted to talk through that because, you know, we've, our show is really, is also is geared at, we can't find good people. And the tone in early on is we can't find good people because we're so focused on hiring Gen Zs and millennials. But damn it, there are great people that are older Gen Xs and boomers that they're not even being brought to the table. So today's whole topic is that right there is, hey, there are good people out there that are in the pool, the talent pool, waiting to get hired, and they're not given the opportunity. And so that's what Christine and I's dialogue has been. How have you been seeing that impact the workplace, Kristen? I wanted to point out that it is such an issue that even LinkedIn has a class about your career after 50, saying that if you're not worried about your position, you should be. And if you're not worried about finding a new job, you should be. And it kind of lists out if you start seeing that you're not being included in meetings any longer, if you're starting to find out you're not in email chains anymore, if you're finding that you're being left out, it's because they're starting to push you out. And finding positions, one of the things that you tend to hear is you don't have much of a runway. We don't think you're going to be here very long. We think you're going to be too expensive. The too expensive might be true because you're looking at people with a lot of experience. But if they're applying for a job, they already kind of know what that job will pay because they have that experience. As for their runway... I kind of laugh about that because I've seen a lot of resumes come across my desk where a person who is significantly younger has never stayed anywhere for longer than 18 months. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're worried about, about the older people not staying, yet your younger people aren't necessarily staying. So it's kind of a, a mute argument when it comes to that. And particularly if that if, if we're talking about that millennial, there's a definitive era of that group that did the job hopping strictly for Mm -hmm. self-promotion growth opportunity and wage Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it becomes a problem Um, i'm confused here as to why why now all of a sudden you're comfortable (laughs) you've done all these things now all of a sudden you're comfortable why is that a problem now because they've moved into a leadership role and now they realize the value of having somebody who's going to stay somebody who they can actually groom to backfill them because, you know, they want to move on. And what's the first thing that people ask? Well, who's going to be your backfill before Uh they could move you up and on in a company. And in order to to train somebody to be your backfill, that's not a five minute job. Typically that's something that you actually need to cultivate. Can I just Google that and find it? You can find it on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Find my podcast there. (laughs) But seriously, um, (laughs) 
just kind of a, a different perspective because when you did a, a podcast regarding how challenging and not giving a chance to the Gen Z's who are coming up. And that's when it responded back to Steve and said, yeah, they're not the only ones that are having trouble. Right. Completely agree. Because when they totally start to see, one of the things they tell you is make your resume look like you've only got 10 years of experience. <laughs> Anything past 10 years, take it off your resume because you don't want to look too old. Don't put dates on it because again, you don't want to look too old when actually that's a lot of valuable experience. Yeah. And I just think that's just bad advice from someone that's continuing that they're giving bad advice. Just let's just put it that way, because all of that experience, that life experience, the hands-on, the real hands-on experience is you're just throwing it out the window because, oh, you have a lot of it. Hey, look, damn it. I'm applying for the job. Give me a shot. Right. Yeah. I'm not doing it just because, hey, I like to apply for jobs. <laughs> I can speak to that kind of firsthand after I left my corporate career, parted ways with my previous employer. We you know, went out and did the hiring thing and trying to go through the process before I took down the avenue that I'm in right now. And sitting there in front of younger leaders, asking them very pointed questions about what are the results you're expecting? What do you want me to do? What, tell me what this is. And having that wage conversation where I said, it doesn't matter. Just tell me what the results you're looking for. We'll put a value to that and it'll all work out. Money, money's the last thing I'm worried about. Tell me what you want me to do. And if we're a good fit for each other, everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And there was so much fear and deer in headlight look. And it was like, this is ridiculous. This is insane. It's almost like they're intimidated by your experience. Yep. Yeah. They don't know how to handle the experience. And if somebody was to challenge them because, Hey, they're in a leadership role. Now they're in a quote unquote leadership role. I have all the power. Cause I'm, a, I'm the leader and title don't power. challenge me. Right. Yeah. It's all title power. Yeah. It was very, and yet don't you want the strongest team underneath you when you're a leader, you don't need to know everything. You need people underneath you that know things you need Absolutely. to manage the team as a leader. And Absolutely. I know a number of and you know these people too, um, <laughs> that are older. In fact, we talked about one of them. Yes, we did. Uh, before this meeting. And he is actually very challenged in finding a job. He wants to work. And he's willing to take um, just a, a standard quality engineer position because at this point in his life, he doesn't want to deal with management. He is an expert when it comes to doing PPAPs and what have you. But yes, because he he's is. 73 years old, nobody wants to talk to him. He doesn't really care about the wage. He wants to get out of the house because his wife is a worse taskmaster master than any job he could have. So, <laughs> and, and so he's he's looking for he's, he's chopping at the bit. To go during the day. <laughs> and and yet when people see his experience and find out that he's actually retired from uh, one of major companies around here, mm -hmm. they're not interested. So let's. Let's peel back that onion. So obviously, so we've got clear, clear perspective on there's a resistance to hire. Mm -hmm. What, how can we educate the young, the, I would say the younger or less experienced workforce? How can we educate them on there? There is really, there's no harm. There's no, um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? There's uh, shoot. I can't think of the word. There's really no sense of, um, you know, people are trying to, you know, look out, oh, this person might be gunning for my job. Or this person's going to tell me how to run things. Well, in reality, that's really not the case. So how can we educate them on that? No, and actually, actually, it would be to their benefit to bring on somebody who has this experience so that they could pass this information on and train that particular leader with just 
their experience. You know, the leader still is the one that's going to make the decisions, regardless of what advice or or what knowledge that their employees have, whether that employee is 25 or 75. Mm-hmm. The leader is still making that decision, but it's going to give them a different perspective because how many times have we all heard, because we've been at companies for a long time, we've already tried that. But somebody new came in and said, but this time it's going to work. How many times have we seen that where the same thing gets tried over and over because somebody new comes in? Uh, (laughs) So so having somebody there with that experience going, yeah, you know, um, these are the problems that we saw last time. It's a great idea, but what can we do to change that so we aren't going to have the same issues that we had before and make them think not so much outside the box, but give them more information that they had than they had when they came up with their great idea that's already been tried two or three times and not succeeded. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have that experience. But that's one of the issues though, that as we, we all have to face is that idea that might've come 15 years ago, that's been tried three times. It's been tried the same way three times and nobody's taken advantage of technology or organizational changes Mm -hmm. or process improvements or other things. And sometimes us that have, more wisdom and experience say, oh, that's not going to work, particularly if they've been on the shop floor because they've seen it already, but they don't recognize some of the maybe administrative functions that have changed that now can support the process mm-hmm. better or speed it up. And there needs to be that balance and that conversation between those things. Otherwise we'll never advance. Yeah, I agree. That wisdom piece is really, really important. I've been blessed to work for several leaders that were younger than I. I didn't care. Just, if, Neither do just I. be a good human. Right. Provide me the information that I need to be successful so that if I'm successful, you're successful. If we're all successful, we all retain our employment and we're all good. So what's the problem? Why does it have to be a competition? Why does it have to be a who's is bigger problem versus just let's get it done? Uh, Again, doesn't matter how old or how young the leader is, they are still the decision maker. Right. Mm -hmm. No matter what what feedback they get from their team, they're still the decision maker. Yep. And one of the things, you know, and one, there was a key point. Hey, Steve, can I just want, can we just go go on that for just one minute, right? The the team piece to it. Is it plausible that there's the fear from the the younger leaders that they don't feel it's a team, even though they've been in part of this team and collaboration and participation mantra forever and a day that once you hit corporate America, that it's not, it's not a team anymore. It's a all, every person for themselves and they don't, haven't created that that bond to be a good leader? It could be. It could be. I'm just curious as I go back on that participation stuff. Oh, we all, all the big collaboration, all the big collaboration rooms. And now all of a sudden it's time for collaboration, but we don't want to collaborate with everybody. We want to collaborate with those that are like us, which then comes back to- Which is a problem. Right. But it's a problem across boomer leaders, ex-leaders, right? They all want to be with themselves instead of that diversity and that inclusion piece and different mindsets, not necessarily different check the box demographics. I would say that that is a challenge, but when you get those pockets of good leaders that are out there building teams, that tends to feed because people see what's happening. Why is that yeah. team so why why is that department over there so strong? What what are they doing? And if that leader is building a team and he's actually got his people working together supporting each other, supporting him or her, other managers once their ego gets out of the way, are going to want to know what they're doing. And if that man, if that leader is actually building a team, my guess is they're also mentoring other people. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to share what they know. Right. And I think one of the challenges that we have in business is we like to shoot the messenger and we like to play, 
we, we like to be firemen. With my background in quality, there's nothing I hate more than having to be a fireman. I would much rather address the issue up front before it starts to fall apart or prevent it altogether from being possible to happen. But we don't tend to do that in a lot in business today. Quality is always fought for that. So I'm used to that. We like to shoot the messenger. You have bad news. Well, the problem is you. Not the fact that you found the problem and, and pulling the team together to work on it. Right. No, the problem is you. So if you go away or get marginalized, then the problem goes away. And that's actually not the case. But we do behave like that a lot in business. Yes, we do. Right. Because if we don't have any fires to fight, then we must not be doing our job. Exactly. Which is just money that we're throwing out the window. I personally didn't like, it's like if there were no fires, that means everybody was doing well and everybody it was all good because everybody had all the information they needed to have. Exactly. And that's when you get to do the fun stuff. When you're firefighting, you don't get to really advance and get creative and take everybody to the next level. Once everything settles down, everything is working the way it should. You've taken care of all the, the things that need to be taken care of. You can start working on where do we go next? What great thing can we do next? How can we make that better? How can we make the process better? How can we make the equipment better? Can't do that right. while you're firefighting. You're just slapping band-aids. So true there. One of the things that you had mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's didn't come, didn't quite come out and say it, but I want to kind of touch back on that is so when we're talking about you know younger generations being quote unquote leaders and hiring those that are more experienced. The thing we really didn't talk about, but we hinted at, is the opportunity for reverse mentoring, right? It's yeah. it's leveraging leveraging the experience of someone else to help mentor you and guide you along. Like, so case in point, we're talking about firefighting. Mm -hmm. And all of that firefighting, guess, guess who's probably already done it 15 times over, 15 different ways. The people you're too afraid to hire because... Well, they have so much experience, they probably don't want this job. And the great thing is, is those those older people that have fought that fire 15 times or more in their career can actually start to see when the sparks are starting and it doesn't have to get to a full rolling uh, fire before we can address it. Right. And all it takes is that opportunity, one, to give them, give them a chance, mm -hmm. but two, to listen. Mm -hmm. And too often today, and I'm going to generalize here, so whoo, watch out. You've done that before. Too often, too, well, yeah, I have done that before. <laughs> I mean, too often today, it's taken with a grain of sand that says, well, you know, yeah, you've got the experience, but I'm the leader. I'm, I know what I need to do. I'm just not going to listen to what you have to say. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, it's coming down at me and, well, that's nice, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, that doesn't when matter. In reality, that doesn't matter on what generation you're coming from. <laughs> There are that, those Well, there's that, there is that too. Case in point, when we work together, because again, you're uh -huh. not a boomer. Again, you're just barely into the <laughs> Gen <am> Xers. <laughs> oh, ouch. Ooh. You, okay. you were such a wealth of information for me um, when we were trying to solve issues out on the shop floor, quality issues that we had. So just because a boomer has been around and has a lot of experience doesn't mean they know everything either. Right. But we all have various experiences that led us down this path. Mm-hmm. And we just have to listen. Pay attention, listen, support, be good humans, and amazing things can happen. When we start worried about our own individual pride or our own career path, or how do I get to the next the next office to the to the right with the better desk and the larger door? Well, it doesn't matter because if people aren't going to be behind you, you, you know you're just going to fail eventually because you're just going to get exited. You're not going to get the support. 
unless you are in a small enough organization where the people have enough power to take over and it doesn't matter who the leader is because they're going to do the right things for the company because they have that personal sense of pride or accomplishment that is also eroding uh, in the workplace. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Christine, it's been a great time today. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Blue Collar BS. What is one bit of wisdom you could impart on all generations for those that are looking for the next best hire to avoid, we can't find good people. <laughs> My suggestion would be know in advance, and amazingly, this is not always the case, what skills you need for the position that you're filling. And then when you're looking at resumes, that's what you look for. Does, does this person have the skills that you think that you need for that position? If they've got most of them or all of them, talk to them. Seriously, don't worry about don't worry about their age. Don't worry about whether they're male or female. Don't worry about, you know, whatever the issue is. You're looking for somebody who's got the skills to be able to do the position that you need. Ideally, you also want them to fit into the team. So they need to have some, some personality to go along with it. But start with the skills. And don't be afraid of somebody who looks too young to be able to do the job. You don't know. They may have been working in their father's factory. I'm working with a maintenance guy at the moment. He's, he's 30 years old, but he started at 12 working on a machine shop with his father. He knows more about the machines than, than half the engineers we have. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't discount the, the, the older folks because, again, the friend that we were talking about a couple of times during this, he's in his 70s. He does not want to be a manager. He is not going to threaten you with taking your job. He just wants a job. And he's got a lot oh, of experience. God. He's going to be able to give some manager, he's going to make that manager's job really easy because he's walking in with a lot of experience. He's not a threat because uh -huh. he doesn't want that position. And he's got a lot of knowledge because he started working in the automotive industry when he was 22. <laughs> he has a lot of history. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Christine, for the wisdom that you've imparted on us. We definitely appreciate it. Anytime. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for being here today, Christine. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue collar businesses strong for generations to come.